Well, it's fun for me to be here this morning. I've uh, enjoyed preparing a message here. I gave it at the family series, a, uh, the family service at the other end a couple weeks ago. And I had one of these there. And I don't know if anybody knows what this is. Anybody know what this is? Yeah, sigh. Yes, it is. You had your hand up. Is that what you were going to say, bud? Good. One guy in the family service liked the idea of this being a old-fashioned lightsaber, one of the kids. So it is a sigh, and uh, it's something that's used, used to be used very often in bringing in a harvest. You uh, maybe have seen photos of decades ago when workers would go out in the field with one of these and cut down the wheat fields or whatever, and they would have a harvest. They would bunch together and carry in. Oftentimes it took, it took many workers with one of these and people carrying it in and and it's harvest. It's used in a harvest and to cut things down. And we're in this series called Jesus Said. And I want to look today at something Jesus said using an analogy about a harvest. And in this analogy, he is really painting a picture of a spiritual reality in our world. And he's talking about a dilemma in the, in the spirit world, a dilemma that we're facing. And then he gives us an encouragement of something to do. And I want to look at the context before he uses these words to describe this analogy. The context that's around him, what's happening in his life, his followers' life, it's found in Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 35. We're going to look at these words of Jesus, but before we look at the words, just listen to the setting. Jesus went through all of the towns and villages. Jesus was a a traveling, what we would know today as itinerant speaker, preacher. He was a rabbi. He had disciples who were with him. He traveled around and he taught about the ways of God. And I think the optimal word in that first sentence there is it says he went to all, all the towns and villages. It really shows that he had no favoritism. He wasn't prejudiced in any way. He just went to them all. That means if he was in our community, he would go to Dyke and New Hartford, Applington, Parkersburg, Janesville, North Cedar, Waverly, Waterloo, Evansdale, Cedar Falls, Hudson. He might even go to Rhinebeck. All. He went to all the towns and villages. No favoritism. He loves everyone. No prejudice. He would go anywhere. He went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Rabbi, going to the synagogues, teach, and proclaim the good news of the kingdom, his utmost mission, usher in the kingdom of God to the hearts of men and women. Jesus going everywhere, sharing about the ways of God, teaching about the ways of God, to usher in the kingdom, the good news of the eternal kingdom of God available to the hearts of men and women everywhere. That was his mission. Bring the kingdom of God to earth. That's what he taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then it says this, as he was going, every town, every city, every village, speaking and healing every disease and sickness. Now, who can do that? I pause here a minute before we look at his words, because the healings of every sickness and every disease Proclaim his identity. When we're going to listen to the words of Jesus, 
We are literally listening to the very words of God. The one who has power over everything. Every sickness, every disease, every star, every galaxy, everything. He was healing every sickness and disease. We live in a culture where many people believe in God. Over 90%, well over 90% say they believe in God. But we understand through the revelation of Scripture that God came to us in the form of a person, and that person is Jesus. The book of Colossians tells us, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, when Paul was writing to those in Colossians, he said, Jesus, the Son, is the very image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God's like, if you want to know what God has said to humanity, if you want to know God's heart, you look and study Jesus. And then you know what God is like, what His heart's like, and what God has said to us through what's recorded about what Jesus said. That's why we have this series. Jesus said, when I was younger, there was a commercial came on TV. I've mentioned this before. It was a commercial about an investment banker named E.F. Hutton. And the commercial would run through with a lot of energy, and then it would pause, and everyone would freeze. And everyone would look like they were stopping to listen. And then the announcer would come on and say, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. And what we're hoping and we're praying is that when we listen to the words of Jesus, we'll hear them. We'll let them sink in. Of all the voices we ought to listen to, we ought to listen to the, the voice that never lies, that has the clearest understanding of reality of anyone. The one who created all that is. So when Jesus speaks, we are literally listening to the words of God. The rest of the context says, now as he was traveling along, going through all the places, when he saw the crowds, so they stopped somewhere, he saw crowds, people, humanity, he had, and here's his heart, the the heart of out of which he speaks. He had compassion on them. Some people think God is an angry God. And I understand he can get angry from the scriptures. But here, when God looks at humanity, we see a heart of compassion. He's hurting for the people. And then he says, why? He says, they're They're harassed. Now, when God is looking at humanity, He's looking physically at them, sure, but He's also looking spiritually at them. And spiritually, He sees, look, they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They're they're like people who don't have someone to care for them, to lead them, to guide them, to nurture them as a shepherd would a sheep. Yesterday, my wife and I were in Iowa City to drop our son off, and we had a little downtime, and so we went to the Ped Mall, and my wife wanted to go in a store, and I noticed there was a number of other gentlemen whose wives probably were in stores sitting on park benches. And so I decided I would take a little time on a park bench myself. And I sat on the park bench there in the, they call it the Ped Mall, and there's people all over this nice day, it's beautiful, lots of crowds around. As I've been preparing this message, I've been thinking about what Jesus said here, and I've been thinking about this passage, and I've been praying about it, and when I'm around groups of, groups of people, I think about the fact that Jesus looks at a group of people, and he had compassion on them. 
because they were harassed and helpless, spiritually speaking, like sheep without a shepherd. And I looked at the, and there's a number of homeless people. And then there's all kinds of different people walking around. And all of a sudden, a gal on a cell phone sitting across the bench from me talking kind of loudly. I wasn't really eavesdropping. She just made it very clear that she didn't care if I heard. And she started describing what's going on in her life and the medication she's on because of the anxiety and all the tensions and all the stresses that are happening and and how nervous she is about this and that. And you saw her eyes water up a few times. And I was sitting there thinking about Jesus looking at the crowds and having compassion on them. And I, I was praying about, you know, what God had been showing me about this. And do I have this kind of heart? And I listened to this gal talk. And the more I listened to her talk, the more my heart went out to her. And this compassion... And it's true. She has no anchor for her soul. No compass. She's like a sheep without a shepherd. And then she got up and walked away as she was talking. Jesus looks at the crowd and he just, he just feels that from humanity. And then he speaks. He turns to his disciples. So, We have a sense of what's going on in his heart and how he's feeling what's happening in the hearts of people around him. And God can see this. And he turns to his disciples and he says something very interesting. I mean, it's an analogy. It's an illustration. He says to his disciples, and he goes to this agricultural analogy. The harvest is plentiful. What is a harvest? We... we, We live in Iowa, we know what a harvest is. A harvest is that time, that season, when a farmer's crops have been made ripe. And that's that's valuable to a farmer, that's valuable to all of us, that's what sustains our lives. And it's time when when what's valuable that's in the field needs to be brought home so that it can be utilized. And a farmer knows that if you miss a harvest season, you're in trouble. And harvest is this this period that has a beginning and eventually it's going to have an end when winter sets in and the the crop starts to rot. It's a season where what's valuable in the field needs brought home. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, look, this is very valuable to me. It's It's an illustration. The hearts and souls of people, he's been looking at the crowds. He says, what's out there is very valuable to me. I want to harvest it. This is a theme that runs through Scripture. God would love to shepherd us as his people. He wants to shepherd all people, lead them, guide them, care for them. He invites them to trust him. He says, the harvest, there's many people, many souls I'd like to bring home to God. The disciples were often spoken to about this from Jesus in John chapter 4. And he was trying to help create in them a sense of urgency of the season and what was happening. In John chapter 4, he said, don't you have a saying it's still four months till harvest? I tell you, he said, open your eyes. Really, the eyes of your spirit. Look at the field. Look at humanity. They're ripe for the harvest Even now, even now, the sower, the one who reaps, draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may be glad together. Two things I want you to think about the harvest. It's a season where something very valuable needs brought home. And there, Jesus said, there can be a joy in it, real joy in it. When I was younger, I went to harvest with my dad a lot. 
And as you anticipate harvest season, there's a lot of work to get done and have things get ready. And especially if you have livestock, you want to have everything kind of tweaked really well before the harvest hits. You want to have the equipment ready because when the season starts, it's time to go. And then when we were time to go to the field, my dad, he always drove the combine. Now, I always kind of wanted to drive the combine, but the combine's a little more complex than just the tractor and and so my dad, I mean, he's kind of lord of the harvest when I was growing up. And so he drove the combine, right? And he said, Tim, you, you know, you got an important job. You, you're going to drive a tractor and we have CBs in the tractor and we're going to learn when I was younger. He said, we're going to learn to unload on the go. And it took me a while to kind of catch on at the right speed. But what happens when you unload on the go? I have a picture of it here. He's combining and the corn's going into the hopper there. And then when you pull up beside him on a tractor, you keep moving at his speed. And he turns the auger on and starts to auger into the wagon and you move together so the harvest can be accomplished more efficiently. And he'll say through the CB, slow down or speed up. At least this is the way we used to do it. The technology may be better now. But he used to tell me, slow down, speed up so the auger could unload into the wagon at the in the right places where he wanted to. And then when we were all done, he would shut off the auger. I'd look at him in the window. He'd give me the thumbs up. I'd smile back at him, give him the thumbs up. And then I'd take the load in. And as you got good at this, it was fun. You'd go unload the harvest, and then at some point, mom would bring out a meal. And you, when you've been working, or it's a little cold or something, you sit down, everybody's, there's just a joy. Jesus said, look, it's harvest time. It's not coming in four months, it's now. Souls in the world need brought home. It can be a fun thing. A couple weeks ago, I got a phone call from a gentleman. He's attended our church a few times, and he said, Tim, I think I'd like to meet. Now, I've learned in ministry over time, if you can kind of get an idea of what someone wants to meet about, sometimes you can handle it on the phone, or other times you can be a little more prepared or get some information on hand. So I said, what would you like to meet about? I was, uh, you know, you, you just never know. And he said, well, I think I've tried everything. I think it's time for me to get to know God. I said, oh, what time could you come? Because these conversations, when someone knows it's time to come home, that's fun. And when he came in my office and he started to describe his life and he started to talk about his longing for God and it's time to move to God, there was just this joy. This joy as, as he talked about crying out to God and opening his heart to God and understanding his need. And, and the Bible says even all of heaven enjoys this. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said. And then he described the dilemma. The reality is there's many hearts and souls who God would like to bring home to himself. And then he said, there's an issue. This is an issue. You have to feel the tension of this issue. You're a farmer. Harvest is coming. Maybe the equipment's not quite ready because the, the, the workers haven't got the equipment ready. Or you haven't found, uh, you know, the, the gentleman you need or the, the assistance you need to, to get the harvest in. And the, the harvest is getting ripe, Jesus said, and he turns to his disciples. People need brought home to God. But there's, there's no workers. The labors are few. We're short-handed in this work. My wife, sometimes in July, a number of her workers, she runs a little business. 
and some of her workers take vacations in July. And she kind of braces herself because she knows when they're gone, it's going to be a little more work for her and some more work for the others. And they're going to be a little shorthanded. It happened this last July. One week, some of the workers were gone and she was working very hard. I could see the stress was building in her. There was a lot of things to keep up with. And then at the end of the week, she was tired. She was a little on edge. I could feel it. I asked her how the week was and she went on to tell me a little bit. And then she said, you know, if someone came to the door right now, and offered me a hundred bucks for that thing. I'd probably sell it. <laughs> because when you're short-handed, it's stressful. It's tension. Jesus said to his disciples, here he is, Lord of the universe. Longing, but he can't force people to come to himself. But he's longing to bring them to himself. He says, look, there's all kinds of people I'd like to bring to me. We just are short workers. If you're a farmer and the harvest is in the field and you don't have the hands to bring it in, you've got a problem. There's a window of time in the harvest season. It's a huge dilemma. People doing all kinds of things in the world, but they're not working in the harvest, the eternal harvest, the real harvest, the harvest of souls. It's the biggest thing going on. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. So what to do? Well, what's our role in the harvest? What's our role in the harvest? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers. Pray. It takes workers to pick it takes workers to drive in then it takes workers to deliver the crop unload the crop in our modern day sometimes farmers will have two three there's some land around us i think the farmer runs 12 different combines they have wagons bringing corn grain to the semis and they deliver and there's guys unloading it there's other ways of doing the harvest. My father-in-law uses a three-row picker and he still picks the corn on the cob and then he brings it in and he unloads it like that. And then you need people to care for the harvest once it's in, nurture the harvest so it doesn't go bad. You need uh, people to ship the harvest around. It's all kind. It's a team. Jesus says it's a team to advance my kingdom and we're short team members. We're going into the game. It's a five-man team, basketball. We only got three. Football, we're going in there. We got seven guys. The harvest is ripe in the world. God is bringing people to Himself. We don't have the voices. We don't have the hands. We don't have the feet. We don't have the reach we need. So pray. Pray. Jesus is saying it's a spiritual kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. Ask God, where does the kingdom of God advancement start? Right here. As we pray for these young children we baptize today. Ask the Lord, Lord, if this is true, what you're saying spiritually, there's many people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And we don't have the the manpower, the woman power we need to bring them home. Would you raise up laborers? Raise up laborers. 
to be sent into the harvest field. And I can guarantee you, you do this 100% of the time. You're going to feel in your heart a little question. Well, what about you? What's your role? What, what's your role? What part of the team will you be on? What part will you play? Got some pictures here. One of them's Eric Blanchard. I believe the Lord called him into this part of his church here at Orchard to run the operations. He's raising his family here. He's helping all the facilities. He has workers with him just to, so we can turn this building around many times through a week so people can come in and hear and be nurtured and be ministered to about the kingdom of God. We have a lot of people in our church family who are teachers, who are coaches, who are lawyers, who are employees, who work in factories, and they see themselves in those environments as the hands and feet of Jesus working to advance His kingdom. It's all kinds of work to be done in proclaiming the good news. Advance, picture of four gals here, four ladies who work in our office, helping with the harvest, this part of God's family, administrating details in our church. Picture of my wife in that barn. She works, and she says in her own words, to offer hospitality, the hospitality of Christ to all who enter, so their hearts might sense God's love. In unique ways, God created us to share His love with the world and advance His kingdom. What's your role? Jesus said the harvest is ripe. A bunch of us men went to Promise Keepers. A couple weeks ago, I dropped some guys off and then I was walking in by myself to Promise Keepers. And I was thinking about this verse and I just had this sense to get my camera out. We were in Promise Keepers and there was a gentleman speaking and he was talking about men come home to God. And before he even invited the men, there were men getting up and walking down to the stage just to symbolize their coming home. And I just couldn't believe it as I watch it. When Jesus said the harvest is ready, here's, here's one way of harvesting. I want to show you a picture of this. Sid Harris recorded this while it was happening. And there was some music playing. And do we have that video? Before he was done talking, these men had walked down there. And then as the music kept playing, you just kept seeing men get up and walk down to symbolize spiritually coming home until the aisles were just filled with men longing, longing to come home to the security and the assurance and the love, the forgiveness and the grace of God. People's souls are spiritually hungry. I sat there in Iowa City yesterday and I almost shed a tear just thinking, this gal... Do you see the world this way? God said, look, it's my harvest field. It's ripe. Where are the workers? Pray. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you've painted this picture so clearly for us. I'm mindful that when we come to you, we're coming to one who knows so much more than we do. But you've you've revealed things to us and. And here you've painted a picture of your world. 
as a harvest field that has what's very valuable to you in it and you want it brought home. Help us be a church in many different ways, each of us uniquely doing our part. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.